Well, Multiply Lake Norma, how are we doing today? Everybody feeling good? Couple, two of you are feeling great. I'm going to do like Sam did. Is everybody feeling good this morning? Wow. Wow. Uh, this is what I just heard. Uh, Pastor Zach, school's about to start and we just need our kids to hurry up and get back into class and then I'll be. <laughs> and the teachers are like, dear God, no, I like the summer. Uh, hey, a couple of announcements that we have before we get started. The first one, we're going off script a little bit. So <laughs> Manny, Manny begged me to do this. He told me that I had to do this. Uh, today is Miss Ashley Provenzano's birthday. So make some noise for Ashley. We know that you love the, the spotlight. So we had to call you out and tell you happy birthday. Make sure you embarrass her in the lobby and tell her happy birthday. Uh, but hey, we have our men's retreat coming up August 17th through the 19th. It's something that we're excited about. We officially have 50 guys signed up for our men's retreat. So we're excited to go to the Black Mountain. Uh, make sure that you're here at service next week if you're signed up for the retreat be here next uh, week after service make sure we get all the information to you that we need to another announcement you guys have heard about us purchasing a building we want to make sure we keep you up to date so follow along on the website take the lake.church take the lake.church to come up with any wait a second I didn't know y'all were going to be here today Luke, can y'all, all three of you, can you stand up? We're getting some of our Davidson College students back. So I haven't been able to embarrass them for like two months. Is any, did anybody else come with y'all or just y'all? Just y'all three? Y'all are back for soccer? This makes me really happy. Hey, if you're new here, um, I'm sorry we do this often. I kind of interrupt. But these guys have been gone all summer. And it's like we're family. So when they come back home, it's like your kid's walking into, well, I guess you're more like a nephew. Not, yeah, ne nephew sounds better. You're like my nephew coming into the house. Hello, welcome back. Have a seat. We'll talk after service. Uh, take the lake.church. I'm sorry about all that. One other <laughs> announcement. Uh, Brent Kaylee, can you guys stand for me? So I'll, I'll let you guys stand. Um, man, we, we hate this, but we love this. So these guys have been a part of our church for several months and man, they've been serving and they've been giving of their gifts and their talents. But uh, these two are moving back to Alabama. Uh, this is their last Sunday here. So we wanna make sure that we welcome them. Uh, we wanna say thank you for, for all that you've done. Uh, I told you I was gonna get you in front of these people. At some, some point. So I did it before, I did it before you left. Uh, but these guys have hearts of gold. And, and remind me, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys met Brian King as you were walking around your neighborhood and Brian invited you to church and that's how you got here. So just a testament of, of the church being in the community. So we honor you guys. We wanna say thank you for all that you've done. Uh, that you're not, this isn't goodbye. This is, we'll see you later. We're praying that the Lord brings you back to North Carolina in some form or capacity, all right? So make sure y'all give it up for them. Make sure you tell them bye. It's one of those bittersweet kind of things. So, hey, we've been in the book of Romans and the first nine weeks we've gone through a chapter every week. And, and this is what we've said as we've gone through the book of Romans. Whoever the communicator is on stage, our goal is to point you in the direction of discovery. We know that there's so much content packed in a chapter that we can't get through it in, in one week, but we want to kind of pull some things out, to pull some truths out in scripture, and then challenge you to go back and, and reread the chapter and study it on your own. So this week we'll be in Romans chapter 10. I'm going to read chapters 5 through 15 here in just a second. And then we're really going to focus in on, on verses 14 and 15. I think I said chapters 5. I meant verse 5 through 15. So you're not going to be sitting here for an hour. So let me, let me start in Romans chapter 10, starting in first, verse 5. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of his commandments. 
But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring, bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. And it is on your lips and in your heart. So what Paul is saying, Paul is saying, hey, listen, the law is good. The law is right. Jesus himself said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. But what Paul pulls out is this. We can't try to live a perfect life to be made right with God. We can't try to act perfect to be made right with God. We can't try to have all these random acts of kindness. We can't try to work our way into heaven. Paul's very clear and Jesus is very clear that the only way to get into heaven is to have faith in who Jesus is and who Jesus says he will continue to be throughout eternity. So Paul says, hey, the law is good, but focus on the personhood of Jesus. And he goes on to write, and that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Verse 11, as the scriptures tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are in the same respect. Again, what Paul is saying, he says, I don't, I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your heritage is. I don't care if you put it in our modern context. I don't care if you grew up in the church or not. I don't care what your socioeconomic status is. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care what your nationality is or your race is. I, I don't care about any of that. Everyone has the opportunity to step into a relationship with Jesus for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. So Paul says, hey, listen, everyone can step into a relationship with Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. But then he starts to ask these rhetorical questions. Well, well how, how can they follow Jesus if they don't call on him? And how can they call on him unless they believe in him? And how can they believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless someone tells? And how can someone tell unless they've been sent? So flip those questions around. How do we need to read it? We need to read it like this. We're called to send others to share Jesus so that they can tell others about Jesus so that those individuals might hear the saving grace message of Jesus to then believe in Jesus and then call on his name. So today we're gonna to be talking a lot about missions. We're gonna be talking a lot about this idea of going. And really I have one point today and I'm gonna ask this question over and over and over again, but I'll ask it to you like this. What can God do with your yes? What can God do with your yes? God's, God's not looking for, for you to just change the world. He's looking for you to absolutely give yourself to him. And I ask people about missions all the time. I ask them if they've gone on a trip. I ask them if they've, they're going on a trip. I ask them why they haven't gone on a trip. And, and some people try to trick me a little bit and they try to get really spiritual about it. And they say, pastor, I'm gonna pray about it. I'm like, yeah, you go ahead and you pray to God and you ask him if he wants you 
to go somewhere else and to tell somebody about Jesus that they might step into heaven, that they might be forgiven because you shared the message of who Jesus was and who he is. And they step into a relationship with him and they follow him the rest of their day. Yeah, you go ahead and pray that prayer. Because I think my Bible tells me in Matthew chapter eight that God has called us to go to the uttermost parts of the earth proclaiming the gospel message. And when Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 28, it wasn't a suggestion, it was a mandate. So we don't need to pray for something that God's already called us to do. We don't need to pray for something that that Jesus exemplified in his life. We're supposed to do it. So I think we try to get really spiritual about missions sometimes. and, And I need to remind us that missions isn't something that we do. Missions is absolutely who we are. So if, you're, if you believe that you're following Jesus, then you should have a heart for missions, both domestically and internationally. Again, missions has always been the heartbeat of this church. And many of you know that Jenna and myself, along with 36 other people, planted our church about six years ago. But that's not where our heartbeat for missions started. I've got to go back 65 years to tell you the fullness of the story. And I have to tell you about Pastor Tom Whitten. Pastor Tom Whitten was the founding pastor of what was Concord First Assembly, which is now Multiply Church, and our whole organization has shifted names. But Pastor Tom, 65 years ago, was in Lakeland, Florida at Southeastern Bible College before it became a university. And he was at a prayer service, and he found himself underneath a baby grand piano. It was the first night of, of the two-night service, and started praying to God, saying, God, where, where do you want me to go? And he felt that the Lord told him, he said, he said, God told me to go to Africa. Fast forward to the following night, he was in the same spot underneath the same baby grand piano. And he started praying, God, where do you want me to go in Africa? And he said, he heard the Lord say this, I didn't want you to go to Africa. I just wanted your yes, that you would go to Africa. So again, I'll ask you the question, what can God do with your yes? And then Pastor Tom felt that the Lord had called him to Concord, North Carolina. So he packed up everything that he owned in a small pull-behind trailer. He gets to Concord, North Carolina. He pulls up to a random house and asks if he could park his trailer there overnight. 65 years later, we have this church here. Here's an interesting fact about Pastor Tom. Pastor Tom didn't even take a salary until he started supporting international missionaries. So our heritage and our culture is is very simple. Missions isn't something that we do. Missions is absolutely who we are. So we've planted here in Lake Norman and we felt like the Lord was calling us to expand. I'm going to ask the individuals that went on that Nicaragua trip with me, the ones that are here, could you go ahead and make your way uh, on the stage. So a couple of, a couple of years ago, uh, I had the opportunity to go to Nicaragua and uh, started visiting and I met Scott and Christy Batson and, and we were able to start planting uh, or start the idea of planting a church in Nicaragua. And back in January, man, we planted our multiply location in Ocotal, Nicaragua. That's something that we can clap for and get excited for. But we planted our church inside of a, a CrossFit gym. And you can see the pictures of the teams that I've taken. Pastor Manny told me I had to pause here because for some reason his picture didn't make it on the screen. So Pastor Manny needed me to tell everyone that he was in Nicaragua, that he prayed for people. That, he didn't make me say that, but I wanted to say that. Um, 
But we had Katrina and Charles were here during first service, and they shared a little bit about their experience. Uh, today we have, uh, our, this morning we have Isaac and, and Viviana, and, and I want us to share a little bit about your experience in Nicaragua. So Viviana, for you, how did your relationship with the Lord kind of change when it came to the trip that we took a couple weeks ago? Yeah, so for me, it was oh, so much easier to be in his presence. Um, I find that here in the United States, my typical life is just going and going and going. And I probably bring that on myself. <laughs> but sure. there, um, you cut out all those distractions. And as much as we were doing a lot of things, and yeah. we were pretty busy throughout the day, there was something about it that the Lord just spoke to me about rest and resting in his presence and just being. Sure. Um, and it just completely shifted my mindset of just like, oh, I can just relax with you and not have to worry about doing anything yeah. or striving to be anywhere. Sure. Um, but yeah, it just allowed me to reset almost. So tell me, tell me about some of the interactions that you had with people that were there. How did that change, change your life a little bit? Yeah. So, uh, they're just, they're so relational. Charles said it earlier. These people just love and are based off of relationships. So yeah. the more that you talk to them, the more you just get to know their story and their goofiness. Like I remember there was one day in the gym that they were all just kind of like bumping to some music and we were all just dancing in the gym. Yeah. And I was like, I love this. I love um, but for those of you who don't know, I actually speak Spanish. So for me, it was easier to communicate to um, the people in Nicaragua, which kind of led to a really awesome conversation with one of the wives of someone who went to the gym and yeah. it was just an amazing experience. I love it. Just with little kids too. So let me ask you this. If you could do it all over again, would you do it? <laughs> yes, yes, I would absolutely. So cool. Do it. <laughs> so Isaac, well, before, before we let you speak, we are in the presence of an international baseball player. So <laughs> Isaac, Isaac actually got the pitch uh, in a baseball game while we were there. Uh, uh, he'll sign this picture for you later. We have some <laughs> copies out in the lobby so he can, he can sign those for you. So Isaac, uh, you had been on an airplane how many times up to this trip? So I had been on an airplane one, two, three, four, six times all and for that work. that counts round trips. Like that's one flight yeah, yeah, there, yeah. two flights yeah. back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so tell me about some of the, make it brief because there's a lot of them. <laughs> tell me about some of the challenges that you had uh, even getting on this trip. Yeah. So, um, for, I've never been out of the country. So we joked the entire trip of this was a trip of first for me. So, um, I got my passport a week before we left, um, which was kind of scary. Not stressful at all no, for the guy all, leading the trip. Um, and then the day of the uh, trip, I misjudged a little bit. Misjudged. That's, when, a, that's when, a great word. When I should be at the airport. Um, and then as I was going to check my bag, I was with Charles, then realized I had since in the matter of two minutes, lost my phone um, in the airport in the morning where it was very busy. And then magically I found it. Somebody had set it on a chair um, and I was calling it. And you know, when you end a phone call, it lights up. I just looked to my, or I guess to my right and the phone lit up and I said, there's just no way. So it was my, my understanding that God was saying, Hey, there's no re no, there's no way you're not going on this trip. Yeah. So let, let me tell you how the trip started for us. Um, I got a phone call in the morning. Oh no, that's not true. I got a text message that morning and, and Isaac said, Hey, how do I check a bag? <laughs> so he didn't know how to, but, but you, know, you know how to check a bag now. Yep. Double uh, digit flights, double digit flight. You're in double digits now. Never booked one on my own. <laughs> there you go. Um, t tell me, tell me what your walk with Jesus was like during that trip. Yeah, I mean, going to, you know, a different country and, and, and being on a missions, you know, I had zero expectations, and, and I think that was a good thing, right? You know, I didn't want to go in with this 
understanding of what it was supposed to be like. Right. I wanted it to be organic and experience it in my own way. Um, and what I got from that was these people, just generosity and, and grace was so evident throughout the entire week. And it kind of makes you just, you know, re-look re at your own life. And, and like I said in the first service was, you know, you think of a mission trip going to a, a different country and experiencing different cultures, you know, that's where, you know, we need to serve. However, it showed me that, you know, we need to serve right here yeah. in, in Lake Norman. We need to serve right here and in, in anywhere in America because, you know, times are crazy right now. And Absolutely. so I think being able to understand, <laughs> thank you, that generosity and, and grace is, is how I need to serve on my own account here. I love it. So. so let me ask you the same question that I asked Viviana. If you could do it all over again, would you do it? Yeah, when you book in my flight. Come on, let's go. I love it. Y'all give it up for these guys who went to Nicaragua. I'm going to ask Toby Hudson to go ahead and come on stage as well. And as Isaac said, as we go through this message today, it's very, it's very important that we have that posture, that, that global missions isn't more important than what we do locally, but the opposite is true as well. What we do locally is not more important than what we do globally. So it's a both and. So Toby, um, you guys have been with us for about six years. You, help, you and Miss Kay helped plant the church and uh, for those of you who don't know, a few months back, we planted our location in uh, Livingston, Zambia, and we planted a multiply church there through the relationships that Toby has established over the, the uh, I guess, the years that you've been going there. So Toby, talk to us a little bit about Z why Zambia? How did you get to Zambia? And, and how long ago did you go to Zambia? Um, 15 years ago. 15 years ago. How did you get there? So, well, you're a young man. You're only like 27 years old, so <laughs> nobody wanted to laugh uh, at that. That yeah. was Y'all didn't know if you could laugh at that? Is that you what it laugh. was? You could laugh. So, so Toby, how old are you? I'm 74. 74. Yep. So 15 years ago, you were 60 what? I don't know. 50, <laughs> 59? 59. 59. Yeah. So 59 years old, you right. went on a, a mission trip right. to Livingston, Zambia. Right. So tell us about that experience a little bit. How'd you get there? Well, like uh, Adam said, my, my wife gave it to me, made me do it. Yep. Um, Kay's not here, so I can't make fun of her. But uh, Or you can make fun of her more. She, <laughs> we'll just all tell her later. <laughs> she had, for two or three years, asked me to go on mission trips. And I'd always told her, I said, well, send my money. Don't send me. I was busy, you know, like we all are. And finally, I relented, and I went one year, mm. and I was hooked. Uh, I learned on that trip, that first trip, that there's some things that dollars just can't do. Where's Greg? Yeah. There's just some things dollars won't do. Dollars can't sit with someone and hold their hand. Mm. Dollars can't look in someone's eyes. Dollars can't pray when someone's... Uh, possessed by a demon for deliverance. Wow. Dollars can't pray for healing and anoint someone. So I realized that there was value in going, that we, we were giving hope to the people that we visited and that we made friends and relationships when we were there. So I was hooked. I started going. Tell us about the hunger of the people in, in Zambia. Tell us what they experience day to day and how their lives are changed by Jesus. Anything I would say about Zambia, I want to preface with the thought that we have the same thing here. Yeah. Uh, the human heart is the same all over the world. They may be more sensitized to demonic activity, 
Satan's move than we are here. But it's also here. Uh, we hear it every day in the news. Um, a mob that, that does violence. Uh, people that hurt people and murder and things like that. So Christianity is the official religion of Zambia, but it's a half inch deep and a mile wide. Mm. There's not a lot of depth, and there's false theology, and there's uh, demonic activity that's prevalent. I've seen it. I've seen the possessions with people. Um, but the other part is, there are also people with extreme depth yeah. and faith, strong, strong faith. I think they need to come evangelize us sometimes. Talk to us about Pastor Esau and Miss Miriam. I met Pastor Esau about 18 months ago, and he was referred to us through Percy Maliba. Some of you may have, he visited us yeah. a couple of years ago. And I've known Percy for 15 years, so he gave a strong recommendation. In fact, he's a mentor of Pastor Esau. Pastor Esau has a theology degree. He's been praying for this coming alongside, this uh, uh, sistering in with him for seven years. It's an answer to prayer yeah. for him. He's strong in uh, uh, deliverance ministry. That's his heart. And he's also strong in church planning. This won't be the first church there. Come on. As soon as we get out of the ground and get uh, sustainable, we'll be doing another yeah. church. So because of, because of Toby's faithfulness and, and Miss Kay's prompting 15 years ago and them saying yes to the Lord, we have officially planted a church in Livingston, Zambia. And it's something that we're excited. It was our first church that we've ever planted in Africa as, as a multiply location. So that's something that we're excited about and we're excited to see the fruit that comes out of that. So could y'all give it up for Mr. Toby? One more time. Pastor. Yes. Can I say one last thing? I wanted to say it the first service. Well, say it. I think God wants me to say it, but I'm 74. You're not. Oh, say that again. <laughs> say that again. <laughs> I'm 74. I think that was from the Lord. And you're not. I've, there's four things I wanted to say. One in your life is make a difference. Mm. Don't just slide along. Two, there are no excuses. No valid excuses. Uh, I can't remember the third point. It's okay. <laughs> I'm 74. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing is do it now. Come on. Do it now. Don't wait. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Y'all give it up for Mr. Toby. That's, that's wisdom and guidance right there. That's wisdom and guidance. Um, Another team that we have sent out is Adam and Alicia Fogelman. They've been with us the past month. And the Fogelmans, have, they're from Texas. They served uh, time in Tanzania, uh, serving there with Global Missions. They've served in Durban, South Africa. And now they're moving to Vinhook, Namibia to plant, multiply Vinhook. So we'll have a church at the end of the year uh, in Vinhook, Namibia. And again, let me preface this. We're not just going to be a church that gets comfortable in Lake Norman. Yes, our, our ministries here matter. Yes, they're important, but uh, our churches globally matter as well. So as we continue to grow, as we continue to develop as a church, we'll continue to send out missionaries and continue to plant churches across the globe. But I have to go back to Romans chapter 10. 
And how can someone call on Jesus if they don't believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless others tell them? But how can people tell about the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus if they haven't been sent? So as a church, we believe in sending people out. We believe in missions. Again, it's not what we do, but it's who we are. If you take a look at a global map and, and you take a look at everything that we've talked about, we said yes to Nicaragua. We said yes to Zambia. We said yes to Namibia. Pastor Tom, 65 years ago, said yes to planting a church in Concord, North Carolina. What can God do with your yes? It's very simple, but it can also take us out of our comfort zone. We can pay lip service and say yes to God, but when it comes to actually doing something, we get cold feet. And I would say that we actually get comfortable in even doing what God has called us to do. What I mean by that is this. When we talk about missions, we ask people to pray, to give, and to go. I've gotten really comfortable praying about global missions. It's easy. I can do it in my bed at night, right before I go to bed if I want to. I can do it with my cup of coffee sitting at my kitchen table. I've got creature comforts. It's easy to do that. I can give. Like Toby said for years, he said, hey, just send my dollars. Don't send me. Not my words, his. But that final step is to go. What does it truly look like to go on a global mission trip? Again, if we read Matthew chapter 28, it's not a suggestion, it's a mandate. And it's not a mandate just for the leadership of a church. It's not a mandate, oh, you've been following Jesus for five years or 10 years or 15 years, so now you get to go. No, as soon as you step into a relationship with Jesus, you acquire the fullness of the gospel message. And the fullness of the gospel message is to go. What does it truly look like to pray, to give, and to go? What can God do with your yes? I want to talk about our giving system for just a second here at, at Multiply Church because oftentimes, I don't think churches do this on purpose, but money comes in and, and we don't do a good job at all, always telling where money goes or how it goes out. So I wanted to take a couple minutes to explain our giving system. Here at Multiply Church, we have what we call a two-bucket giving system. And it works like this. The first bucket is our tithe and offering. So as tithe dollars come in, as we come up every Sunday and we take the tithe, we take the offering, we pass the buckets, you give online. The first thing that we do with our tithe dollars is we tithe off of our tithe. So the first 10% of every single dollar that comes into this church, we send out to missionaries, real people, boots on the ground, living in real countries, spreading the gospel message. What does that practically look like for our church? As Multiply Church sits here today, we actively support 130 missionaries in 35 different countries across the world. That's who we are. That's, that's what we do. We tithe off of our tithe. But then we have what we call kingdom builders. And kingdom builders goes to three specific areas. It goes to local church expansion, future Christian leaders, and global missions. And the way kingdom builders works, it's dollar in, dollar out. So none of those funds go towards operations. It strictly goes to those three specific areas. Let me tell you about global missions. So when kingdom builders dollars comes in, it's not just boots on the ground missionaries, but it's larger organizations that we support as well. So as you give, let me tell you some of the organizations that you support. 
the, one of the ones that we support is Priority One. Now, Priority One's major focus is to build Bible high schools and Bible colleges across the world. So just like Liberty Prep sits here, it's a faith-based uh, school. We plant the same thing across the world. We're recording, so I can't tell you some of the ones that we're working on now, but there's some exciting things that are coming down the pipeline that I'm excited to share in the future. Another organization that you support as you give is Urban Tribes. Urban Tribes, their main goal is to plant churches in what they call gateway cities across Africa. So major cities across Africa. So Vinhook, Namibia is one of those partnering with Adam and Alicia Fogelman. But when you hear me talk about Nairobi, Kenya, they've planted a church there. When you hear me talk about Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, they've planted a church there. When you hear me talk about Dar Salaam in Tanzania, they've planted a church there. Again, it goes far beyond us just planting a church in Lake Norman. We're called to pray, to give, and to go. So as you give, we're supporting churches across the world. Another organization that we support is Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope's major initiative is to be the first on the scene for any type of disaster release, relief efforts. So if there's a war, if there's a, a natural disaster, whether it be domestically or internationally, they have boots on the ground, real people serving those specific areas, and we partner with them by giving. Another organization that we support is called One Hope. One Hope's tagline is this, it's God's word, every child. To date, they've given away over 2 billion Bibles across the globe. That's the type of organizations that we support as a church. But as we started praying, we felt like God was speaking for us to do more. Even, even in the context of our church, we say it like this all the time. Multiply church. What do we do? We multiply churches and multiply disciples. That's who we are. So why do we support so many missionaries? It's because they're multiplying churches that multiply disciples. Why do we support these global organizations? Because they multiply churches that multiply disciples. It is the Great Commission. It is Matthew chapter 28. It does answer the rhetorical questions that Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 10. Again, it's not something that we do, but it's who we are. I want to tell you a bit about my missions experience. Because this isn't just something that I stumbled upon when I planted a church. It's something that God has embedded in my heart since college. I had the opportunity to go live in Israel to do my study abroad there. Now, for some of y'all, y'all were like, that's cool. For my family, they were like, you're insane. Because you have to remember where I'm from. I tell people I'm from Lancaster, South Carolina, because that's the bustling metropolis that was close to my town. It had 8,700 people in it. But I'm really from Heath Springs, South Carolina. Heath Springs, South Carolina has 765 people in it. By the way, that was in 2020, not in 2000. It had almost 500 people in it in 2000 when I lived there. So when I got to Israel, I realized that I wasn't in Kansas anymore. I realized I wasn't in God's country. I wasn't in the South. Well, that's kind of sacrilegious because I just said I was in Israel. So yes, I was in God's country. Probably shouldn't say that. Y'all get what I'm saying. But what I realized is I wasn't eating pork chops and tater salad. I was eating schnitzels and shawarmas, and I didn't know what they were. I didn't know what a chickpea was. I didn't know what a falafel was. 
my mind started to change, not because my thought process changed, but because my heart started to change for the people that were there. I realized these individuals were so close to Jesus, but so far away. Fast forward a year later, I led a trip, led my first mission trip, and I went to Israel. And I was with my buddy, John Kazaklis. We were on a street in downtown Jerusalem. You'll be there in, here in a few weeks, and you'll be on Benny Huda Street. I was at Benny Huda Street, and we were sitting on this bench, there's some music, kind of some live music playing in the background. And this gentleman runs up to us. I guess he could tell we were uh, not Israeli. Don't look like it. But he runs up to me and he starts speaking Hebrew. I'm like, well, you got it. I, I, I can probably help you, but I don't know what you're saying. So I told him, I was like, I only, I only speak English. So he starts rattling stuff off in English. He goes, I, I need you to come to my apartment. I need your help. And as a 19-year-old, I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go to your apartment. Let me pause the story there. Not the smartest decision I've ever made in my entire life. Probably shouldn't just go in someone's apartment in the Middle East when I'm by myself or with my buddy. But I make my way into his house and he says, I I need your help. I need you to fix my refrigerator. And he hands me a box of toothpicks. Going, what in the world do you need? I, I I don't understand what you're saying. Fix your refrigerator. You handed me a box of toothpicks. He says, it's Shabbat. I I forgot to fix my refrigerator. I can't do it. What happens when you open up your refrigerator? Your light automatically turns on. Since it was Shabbat, opening the refrigerator door and the light turning on was an act of work, which would have been a sin for him. And he assumed that I wasn't Jewish, that I could help him out. And the reason he gave me the box of toothpicks is because the little lever that was inside the refrigerator door to hold the button back so the light wouldn't come on was broken. So I had to tear the toothpicks in half and wedge it in between this button to keep the light from turning on. He blesses John and myself in in Hebrew. We got on our way. I remember walking down the steps of his apartment and I felt like I had accomplished something. I felt like I did something good. And no sooner than my feet hit the sidewalk off the steps, I kind of felt convicted. I say, why, why you feel convicted? It's because I met a physical need, but I didn't meet a spiritual need. Here's an individual who wanted to bless me in the name of God. He believes that Jesus wasn't a real person, or he believes that Jesus was a real person, but doesn't believe that Jesus was the son of God. So I met a physical need, but I missed an opportunity to share the saving grace of Jesus to him. Fast forward to my senior year, I had the opportunity to go live in in Tanzania, Africa for a summer. Moved to Tanzania. Many of you know Becca and Christian Rasmussen. Uh, Christian's a pilot. He comes here, or they they attend church here when he's not flying. Becca's serving in kids' ministry today. But I lived in, in Tanzania with Christian and his family. They've been there for 40 years this year. They sold it all and, and moved to Tanzania 40 years ago. When I lived in Tanzania, I was in a tent. When the sun went down, lights went off. No electricity. And in fact, when we got there, one of the stories that, that I share often, um, they have snakes there. <laughs> they're poisonous and they're aggressive. <laughs> so they have black mambas and, and puff adders. Black mambas, many of you have heard about them. They're very poisonous, one of the most poisonous snakes in the world. Puff adders actually kill more people. In Tan- it's a third poisonous snake in Tanzania, but they kill more people because they're, they're fat and lazy. <laughs> They literally just lay on the ground and they don't spook easy. So they kill people because they, individuals actually step on them without seeing them and they strike them. So Tori, Christian's brother, 
we're kind of joking around. We're like, hey, couple, first couple of nights, like, hey, what, like, what happens if I get bit by a snake? And without breaking eye contact, and as serious as he can be, he looks us dead in the eyes. He goes, just sit down and pray. There's no way we can get you out of here on time. Huh? Not in Kansas anymore. But living there, I realized that there were people that were so far away from Jesus. And I had the opportunity to build a birthing clinic and to start building a road. But more than all of that, we had the opportunity to share the gospel message. What does international missions truly look like? We, we can pay verse 14 and verse 15 lip service. Because planning, what I've realized, planning churches isn't about building buildings and, and filling them up. Planning churches is about reaching lost people. Statistically, church plants reach more lost people than established churches. So as we plant churches, individuals find life, freedom, family, and purpose. They find life. They step into a relationship with Jesus. They find freedom. They take care of yesterday so that they can look forward to tomorrow. They find family. They realize that life isn't about doing things by themselves, but the collective whole. And they find purpose. It's relayed that they have a unique divine design inside of them. That God has called them to uniquely expand his kingdom. I can share my missions experiences and I can tell you everything that's happened to me. But what I have come to realize is missions isn't something that we can just talk about. It's something that you have to experience for yourself. You are here. This is Christian. By the way, Christian, I got malaria when I was in Africa. Christian had to ride his dirt bike, what, two days to go get me some medicine. I think he ended up getting beat on the back by a guy that like he drove through his cows and then he got a flat tire and had to walk his dirt bike back. You wanna talk about somebody whose life's been impacted by missions? Go talk to this guy. How many, countless nights, how many nights have you, have you and your brother slept out in the middle of Tanzania somewhere in the back of a Land Rover? Couple months at a time. Like, it's not just about talking about it, but it's about being about it. What, what could God absolutely do with your yes? What could he do? I could talk about urban tribes some more. I could talk about CMN. I could talk about places that we're, we're planting churches. But in all of those stories, it's very simple. They saw that the need was the call and they said yes to God. They said yes so the individuals could call on Jesus. They said yes so the individuals could believe in Jesus. They said yes so individuals could hear about Jesus. They said yes so that they could tell people about Jesus. They said yes by sending people to foreign countries. What could God do with your yes? Again, Matthew chapter 28, it's the great commission. And what I've come to realize, you heard me say it earlier, it's not a suggestion, it's a mandate. And it's a mandate for everyone. It's a mandate for all Christ followers. What can God do with your yes? So again, we say it all the time like this, we're not gonna be a church that talks about it, we're going to be about it. I'm not just gonna talk about my experiences or opportunities that I had, but we're gonna give opportunity as well. So go ahead and put that slide on the screen. There's three different opportunities that we have coming up. The first one's coming up the, the first week of November. It's coming up pretty fast. 
It actually got solidified uh, last week. So we're gonna be going to Zambia and Namibia the first week of November of this year. And that trip's gonna be very simple. This is what it's gonna look like. We're gonna fly into Zambia and we're gonna meet with Pastor Esau. We're gonna meet with Miriam. We're gonna meet with their team. Brian King actually preached there about two months ago. And in our first interest service as Multiply Church, they said they had between 60 and 70 people show up. And that was their interest meeting. We had 36 when we planted this church. What could God do with their yes? So we're gonna go spend time with their team. We're gonna pray with them and for them. We've actually sent them money to purchase land to then build their church facility. So we're gonna be looking for plots of land to purchase in the perfect space that God's calling us to build a church there. Then we're gonna fly over to Namibia. And in Namibia, we're gonna be with Adam and Alicia Fogelman. Again, they moved there in six days. So they'll see some familiar faces in November. And we're gonna do prayer walks around the city because we believe in the power of prayer. And we believe that we should pray first before we build anything. So we're sending a team to pray. And then in February of 2024, we'll be going down to Nicaragua. You heard from the team earlier. We'll be witnessing, we'll be talking about Jesus. We get to do it through sports. We get to do it through fitness. We get to do it through activity, but that's a trip that we'll be going on in in 2024. And another experience that we have for our church is in April of next year, April of 24, we'll be going to Israel for 10 days. You'll be able to walk where Jesus walked. You'll be able to see a little bit of how Jesus lived. You'll be able to float around on the Sea of Galilee. You'll be able to stand in the two cellars that are at the bottom of Caiaphas' house. And and historically, we know that that Jesus was in one of these two cells. So you'll literally be standing where Jesus stood. We'll go to the Mount of Olives. We'll go to Caesarea. We'll travel all across Israel. We'll go to En Gedi. We'll be in the desert where David wrote the Psalms. And you'll get to experience scripture like you've never experienced it before. We cannot and we will not be a church that gets comfortable inside of our own walls. As much as we're excited to step into our new building, as much as we're excited to to have a place to call our own, we'll we'll never pigeonhole our focus to just here, but it has to be globally as well. Why? Because that's Matthew chapter 28. It's the great commission. We might start here, but we don't end here. So all across this room with every head bowed, and every eye closed. I wanna pray over this room, Lord, and everybody that's joining us online. Lord, thank you for today. God, thank you for an opportunity that we would be able to partner with you to expand your kingdom. Lord, you've called our church to Zambia. You've called us to Namibia. You've called us to Nicaragua. And you've called us to the uttermost parts of the earth. Lord, I pray that there would be individuals in this room or joining us online right now that you would begin to prick their hearts, to prick their minds, and to prick their souls. I I know that everyone in this room can't go to all of those locations, but Lord, would you begin to, to drop countries on the hearts of our people and call us to go? Lord, I pray right now that you would drop on people's hearts Zambia, that you would drop on people's hearts Namibia, that as we gear up for this trip in November, that you would call them to go with us, to be a part of that prayer team that's going. Lord, I pray for the individuals whose heart are beginning to break for Nicaragua. 
Lord, I pray that, that we would be a church that, that plants there to bring revival to the entire area of Okotal, Nicaragua. And as we expand to Esteli, as we expand to Managua, as we expand across the country of Nicaragua, that we would be a church that says yes to going. What could God do with your yes? Lord, as we pray for Israel, Lord, I pray that you would begin to drop Israel on the hearts and the minds and the souls of individuals in this room that they would be able to experience the gospel like they've never experienced it before. That they would say yes to the call. Maybe there's a couple others in the room if your heads are still bowed and your eyes are still closed. What could God do with your yes? The most important yes that you can ever say or that you can ever pray is stepping into a relationship with Jesus go back to Romans chapter 10 verse 10 for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved what does that mean it means that you believe Jesus is who he says he is in your heart but that you profess it with your mouth you profess it with your words the most important yes you can ever say is stepping into a relationship with Jesus so all across this room, if you say, Pastor Zag, man, that's, that's me. I need to definitively say yes to Jesus. He's no longer a supplement to my life. He is now the center of my life. Zach, I need to step into a relationship right here and right now. All across this room, if that's you on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to slip up your hand. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you forward, but I'm gonna ask you to repeat a prayer after me it's by believing in your heart and professing with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is so if that's you all across this room on the count of three I want you to slip up your hand ready one two three say pastor Zach that's me I want to step into that relationship with Jesus man I see that hand you can slip it right back down and if you could say this prayer if we could say this prayer collectively together could we say Jesus I need you Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live wide awake to your love and fully alive to my purpose. And it's in your name I pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Can we celebrate the individuals that's just stepped into a relationship with Jesus? Listen, we believe that's the most important decision that you could ever make in your entire life, but it's just the beginning right outside these doors and online. And we have some individuals ready for you to have a conversation with you. It's the most important decision, but it's the first step. We want to walk with you day by day as you walk in your relationship with Jesus. Again, if you're interested in any of those trips, make sure you scan the QR code. We're excited for what God is doing in and through Multiply Church. And, and this is what I got to tell you. We're just getting started. Hope you enjoy today. We'll see you next week as we continue to love Jesus and change the world. We'll see you guys next week. The dark is